everybody. Uh, episode 22, Tell Me Where to Turn. Glenn and Tommy with you this evening. Uh, took last week off, a little bit of a little bit of a bye week, so hopefully you missed us. But uh, Tommy was busy, so. You know, it should be a good show. We've had a extra week to plan and prepare. Yeah, and we've used all of the last six minutes uh, to do so. We're like we're like Bill Belichick coming off a of bye week. We never lose. That's true. Never have before. Well, I'm really uh, just uh, before we move on to other stuff. I'm I'm so relieved that my Cubs were able to to pull that out last night. Yeah, I know. I mean, you've been suffering with them for a long time. I've really thought about you a lot last night. Did you go out on the uh, on the side of your house today and write the names of your fallen relatives that died before they could see this day on the bricks? They're they're etched into the side of my home, and then I went up and down the the street in the neighborhood and just turned over all the cars and set them on fire because that's the only way you can celebrate. I think there was some insane stuff going on in Chicago uh, near the ballpark and. Like people just climbing up on light poles, and I think somebody fell off of one and just landed I in the street. I completely missed that. So somebody fell off a light pole. Yeah, and I saw that somebody else was doing like trust falls off of like a an intersection at a light and just falling into the crowd. Like down in Wrigleyville or in the hood. Uh. I'm not sure exactly what you mean by the second equation of that uh, second part of that equation, but um, I think this was close to Wrigleyville. Let me first ask you a question that a great man once said. Have you ever been to Wrigley? I have not. Oh. Well, you see, it's going to be difficult for me to have a conversation with you about this, seeing as I'm the only one of the members of the show that's actually been to Wrigley. Well, I generally get the uh, concept of of what's let's around just put there. It, let's just put it this way. Uh, Wrigley and the area surrounding it is a lot more like Uptown than it is south of 30, which is what progressive uh, – not progressive field. That's where the Indians play. U.S. Cellular Ballpark, which I think they're now changing the name to something else. But Yeah. To, if they uh, put a stadium in Pleasant Grove, that would be like kind of more where that's situated. <laughs> Transitioning to Progressive Field, um, that's where my Indians played and lost last night, and you've been there too. And I've been there too. Yeah. I know, and you were ready to party at Napoli's if they won. I know. Uh, we were good. We were, we were, I was going to be shirtless either way, so it's a, it's a no-lose no lose situation. And I don't think any of us lost because that game last night was, especially from like the sixth, seventh inning on, was just phenomenal. I feel like at this point I'm going to have to stop you because if I can fast forward uh, or sorry, excuse me, rewind the clock. Oh, uh, I don't know. About 12 hours ago, I feel like somebody was texting me going, Oh, it's raining. I'm going to go to bed now. I can't wake up and see who wins the world series. Got to go to sleep. There is a little bit of truth to that. And, and now uh, you're going to get on here and start preaching the, oh, man, from the sixth inning on, it was riveting TV. And, and here you were ready to bail when just a little bit of rain started falling. 
I didn't know how long that delay was going to be, so I was just going to use it the magic matter. of It doesn't matter. It's game DVR. seven of the World Series. You don't, it doesn't matter how long it is. You ride it out. You do what I did. I could have easily recorded a couple hours, got some sleep, got up this morning and watched the rest of it, and no one would have been the wiser. But yeah, but then, but then, how would you have got to go out in the street last night and turn over cars? Wouldn't you have? Wouldn't you have known something was up? When you maybe somebody, got out of your bed and peered out the window and saw that your car was upside down outside <laughs> the window, <laughs> and there was like a giant picture of Mark Grace just painted on the side of it. Yeah, a dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah, I did. When when the rain delay came in, I I set the clock. I gave it fifteen minutes. And coincidentally, the rain delay was like exactly 15 minutes. Had it been much longer, I was uh, I was out. I would just figure so it out heard, and watch it later. Have you heard the conspiracy theory that the uh, the rain delay was engineered by the MLB to make sure the Cubs could win? Okay. As in the MLB engineered the rain itself or just the decision to delay it? The decision by the umpires to pull the teams off the field, basically whatever because you know all indic all indications were that it was going to be a you know pretty quick sell that pulled through but they pulled the teams off the field which gave uh jason hayward and his point zero point nine one batting average a chance to call a players only meeting down in the batting cage get a team that won 100 games refocused to come out and uh beat the cleveland indians apparently yeah no i don't buy that nor do I buy any conspiracy theory. Because generally speaking, conspiracy theories are for morons. Or do you buy Jason Hayward exerting any effort to do anything? Mm, you know, it is uh, shocking how his defense is still fine, but just how much he's declined at the plate compared to like two, three years ago when he oh, was yeah, I, maybe one of the best young hitters in the whole league. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and he was so lost up there. I don't know if you saw. I think his, I think it was his last at bat last night. I, I mean, he he's up there swinging, you know, through balls that were bouncing five feet in front of the plate, and it was it was just a disaster. So that was one of the not just game sevens, but I think that was one of the better World Series games, just as a whole that we've that we've seen in recent years, or you know, the past few decades or so I was trying to think of of others in recent history or just in my sports memory that kind of compared to it I didn't know if you had any off the top of your head oh yeah I mean I'm, I'm interested to hear from you too just because I I'm still trying to figure out where baseball falls in your realm of consciousness because I feel like a lot of times I catch baseball criticism out of you but for me, I mean, obviously, I think it was – I'm going to butcher the years here. I think it was 93, the Joe Carter home run series, which the Blue Jays ended up winning. No, you're right. It was a big memory for me. I mean, that's right in my wheelhouse. And then yeah. inexplicably and, – and this is going to sound strange, but you know, keep in mind I was young and before I really had a firm grasp on complete – rules of being a fan but I was in the late 80s I was a huge Oakland A's fan partially because of RBI baseball for Nintendo uh, and Canseco McGuire you know baseball cards and things of that nature but I think 
the, when the A's went on their little run in the late 80s and early 90s, were a lot of memorable World Series because that was, you know, kind of where I was old enough to stay up and watch all the games. And then I remember, I think it was towards the end of the run, so it might have been 90 or 91, and they were playing the Reds in the World Series. And they got their asses handed to them. Yeah, they got swept by freaking Chris Sabo in the Reds. And I remember taking that really, really hard as like a 9 or 10-year-old, however old I was at the time. Just being yeah, devastated a... because my Oakland A's were going to win the World Series and they were playing the Reds who, you know, by my brain at the time were a disaster of a team. And, yeah, they got swept. And I remember staying up watching the games and just, you know, in shock that the A's it could never get anything going and the whole series was crazy. Yeah, Th- I think That's they definitely were... some memories. I was going to say, they were the bandwagon team for the late 80s. For sure, and yeah, they made. I mean, World Series three years in a row. Yeah, eighty-eight, eighty-nine, ninety. Oh yeah, Ricky, oh, Ricky, and I forgot about Ricky Henderson and yeah, Dave Henderson, Dave Stewart, Mike Moore. You have Eckersley. Gosh, what a, closing it down. Yes, Dennis Eckersley. Gosh, what a what a great what a great team to bandwagon on. Yeah, at the same time, they lost two of those three World Series, got swept in one of them, and got beaten five games in the other. So when they went down, they went down quickly. So, yeah, I was Indeed thinking they did. Watching that last night, I was thinking back, and I see my baseball memory. I think the the first World Series I have any real memory of was the '86 series with the Red Sox and the Mets, and like I remember watching the the Buckner game. Oh, wow. And, so, yeah, I was too young for that. So, yeah. you, you remember the Buckner game. That's awesome. I, I remember watching it, and then it was right after that that there was a – I think before I transitioned into Oakland A's bandwagoning for a little bit, I uh, definitely dabbled in the uh, Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden bandwagoning until they drank and snorted themselves into baseball <laughs> oblivion. <laughs> so, but I remember that series and specifically that game. That was game six there. And then I think my, well, we'll get to unfortunately the most memorable game. But yeah, the other, I, I intentionally left that one out for for. Well, now. I think we're just gonna refer to it and not really discuss it. But um, the other probably most memorable game I remember was Game Seven of '91 between the Braves and the Twins. There was another ten inning game, and the Twins won one to nothing. It was just wow. between Smoltz and Jack Morris. It was just a an amazing. I actually duel. have. I actually do have a recollection of that for sure. Yeah. Were you ever? A, were you? A, were you a bandwagon Braves guy? Yeah, I was a. Uh, I was a, a TBS. I was, I was. Yeah, I was not a WGN Cubs fan, but I was a TBS Braves fan. Now that started more around like the 87 88 season when they were terrible so when they got good it that was i got on the bandwagon before they started winning divisions because i remember watching games in like 88 where they were the worst team in the league and i swear i saw a game and they announced the attendance at uh fulton county stadium was like five thousand at one of the (laughs) games and from what I recall, I'd be shocked if there was more than like two thousand people in the whole ballpark. So that's awesome. So I see. They, I was never. I was never a bandwagon. I was never a bandwagon Braves fan. I mean, I I watched probably more Braves baseball than most other teams because of TBS. 
but my my cousin was in an insane Braves bandwagoner, and his favorite player was David Justice. All right. And he had a David Justice jersey, and he would draw pictures of David Justice and hang them all over their fridge. He was out of uh, control Braves bandwagoner. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did not go that far to draw. I'm not much of an artist anyway, but I'm definitely not drawing pictures of David Justice. <laughs> and I was just balancing this with my Ranger fandom, too. It was really just... Rangers on the American League side and Braves on the National League, and there was no interleague play, so you know it was almost it was really two almost two separate well leagues. You know they were just going on for six months, and then eventually you know two one from each team you know played each other. It wasn't like it is now where they're just you know crossing the streams all the time. So you could kind of you could kind of do As that. So yeah. So, uh, so yeah, eighty six, ninety one. I think the other one that stood out was the two thousand one game seven when Arizona beat oh, yeah. the Yankees on the walk off. Which I, I've never. I was going to mention mention that too, though. That was. Uh, I, I don't know how follow the money allowed the Yankees not to win that series. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to mention that I never during that era or really ever have rooted for the Yankees. But I just decided because of what had gone on in the country and you know all that kind of stuff that that's who I was pulling for. And of course, that's the one year during that run that they make the World Series and lose and have have Rivera on the mound in the was it in the ninth or was it extra innings? Either way, they have him on the mound to close out the game in the series and he blows it. I think maybe like the only blown save he's ever he ever had in the playoffs up to that point. Yeah, and then of was course, it, was it Luis Gonzalez or some yeah. real foot footnote in history makes the makes the dagger. Yeah, with a bloop, a nice bloop yeah. single to center. Um, and then of course 2011 Game Six, and we'll move on. Oh, oh. I think so, I've documented on the on this podcast what happened to me that day. I yes. will never forget. Yeah. Yeah, as I literally vomited as Nelson Cruz dropped the ball, literally. <sighs> yeah, moving on. So, um, so the Cubs are going to be around for a while. I think they're going to go from, you know, the lovable franchise that you know used to suck and they haven't won the championship in forever, and now they're going to be good every year. And two or three years from now. Other than the hardcore Cubs fans, the people that were just rooting for them because oh, it's a great story, they will have turned against them within two to three seasons just because they're too good. Yeah, they're. I think I think the Cubs are going to be good. Did you see? Uh, did you see the drunk Theo Epstein videos? Yeah, yeah, I've seen them, and I've him, listened to him the, dropping the f bomb on right. local news. Yeah, so great. That'll stop being cute and start being annoying in a few years, huh? Yeah. And the Cubs it, just start winning 100, 110 games every year. It took for somewhat in the media and then from just people I know and stuff, I, the parallel, it's not quite the same because certainly not, you know, 108 years between titles, but it's like Golden State in the NBA. I mean, that's a franchise that historically the last 30-plus years – borderline horrible like every season and then they put this great group together they win a championship and it's great and like 
George Dunham aside, half the people that were rooting for them two years ago were then rooting against them last year because now they're too cocky and they're, you know, they they think they're better than everybody all time and things like that. It's just amazing how people can turn against a team just to, you know, drop of a hat. Yeah, well, speaking of turning against people, I, I pretty much turned against Joe Madden last night as being a great manager. Yeah. Um, uh, pitching changes, or did you think he called for the uh, two-strike bunt with a guy at third, or you think uh, Baez was on his own there? I don't think a kid Baez's age has the balls to go up and try to bunt on a full yeah. count in Game 7 of the World Series. So, yes, yeah, I he called for so that. Either. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even going back to game six, he, he panicked in a game that they had room in and used Chapman, inexplicably used Chapman too early. I mean, you got to – all this stuff about, yeah, he likes to get Chapman in in a clean inning. He doesn't want him to have to come in and work out of a jam. That's what he's there for, man. That's what that's what a guy that throws 102 miles an hour does. He gets you out of jams. You stick yeah. with you stick with the people in your pen that you are expendable, and you get out of that game because I I don't care what they were saying his velocity was a little bit down and it's not just about overall velocity it's about the movement and the life on those pitches and he just didn't have it in game seven because they freaking Ron Washington him I mean seriously Joe Madden's supposed to be this he's supposed to be this you know genius and he went full wash on us and decides that he's gonna go with his gut and you know trust like inexplicably two guys in a in a bullpen that wasn't bad during the year yeah well and then the thing that really ticks me off is is we get through all that and then i'm excited because i think we're going to get a cj or now carl edwards jr world series save and then he pulls him out with two outs after he walks a guy and then he brought in montgomery right right that's who closed it out and then okay so yeah. Uh, and Montgomery was facing Michael Martinez. Is that who made the last out? Yes. And he was a defensive replacement. Was he a defensive replacement for Kipnis? No, no, no. He was a defensive replacement in the outfield. Okay. I was trying to figure out who he replaced in the lineup, like who should have been at, at bat there. No, and no, I no. It was um, – I, I guess they put him in for Coco Crisp, I think. Okay. And they, they 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 replaced him at a weird point in the game where I guess they thought they were going to maybe have to burn one home because there was a guy in third. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, there, there was there was a definite managing measuring contest going on out there last night. And man. those two tried to outsmart each other. But when he got when he got Arietta and, and Arietta, given Arietta didn't come in the game, maybe Arietta got up on his own just to like – let him know, like, hey, I, 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 I give me the ball, but my gosh, I mean, I, I was literally thinking, what else could happen here? Hey, anything was on the table, and anything almost, almost happened. I mean, I was uh, that uh, Rajai Davis home run was amazing. That certainly uh, got me up off the couch, and then I think pretty was, unexpected, yeah, unexpected. Yeah, and then I think it was in the bottom of was it the bottom of the ninth when Kipnis pulled that ball. Oh he gosh, pulled it yeah. foul into right field, but I think your immediate text was that he hit the bat and you immediately just took your shirt off. <laughs> there was something about the angle or the way the ball left the bat that I was like, Oh my god, there it is. I thought it was gone shirt too. Off. 
I thought it was gone oh. too. So, oh, what a day. So the other thing I wanted to throw by you here, because I know uh, Cubs are obviously, they're, they're set for the next handful of years or so. And uh, what I fear, not next year, but maybe thinking two or three years down the road, especially if the Yankees can get their pitching together, are we going to have the matchup of the two possibly most insufferable fan groups going at each other in the World Series with Yankees-Cubs? So the the Lakers are going to play the Cubs in the World Series? <laughs> I don't yeah. understand. To Texas Tech it, is going to play. It, <laughs> I think it could happen. I really think it could happen. The, the um, Yankees have quietly gotten considerably younger and more talented. And I don't think they're that far away. I think they they could make a, a, a splashy move for a little bit more starting pitching and look out. Look out. Yeah, I think they're I think two thousand eighteen, I think they're back in the back in the picture for as a contender. Did you did you look at what the T V number was last night for the for the game? I'm pretty sure that 10 billion people watched it. I think that's the number I I'm gonna, saw. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up because that was one thing I was curious about uh, is if it had more viewers than the CMAs did last night. <laughs> it was uh, it was, I didn't see the exact ratings number, but it was the most watched baseball game in 25 years. Yeah, I will, uh, well, that's the kind of see that's the kind of hard hitting insight we we come see? to uh, expect from you, Glenn. So there you go. So you got anything else on uh, baseball before we lower the coffin of 2016 into the ground? Uh, no, I think uh, I think at this point we can go ahead and start lowering the casket. Okay. Would you like some quick Wise County news that I ran across? Some exciting Wise County news? Yeah, oh, wow. Quick- so the uh, World Series crushed the CMAs. I'm sorry. Uh 12.136 share to a 2.98 share. So 39 million viewers to 12 million viewers. Yeah. That's that would that would segue probably easier into uh election predictions, but um let's, no, talk, let's go to Wise County. Let's go to Wise County. Now uh prepare for a, a sad sad story, but it's got a, a a Wise County twist to it. So here you go. So a mother in Alvord, Texas. All I know that apparently that's in Wise County. I don't know exactly Spell where that, that is. A L V O R D. Alvord. Never heard of it. Nah. Okay. An Alvord mother is in custody, accused of causing the death of her young daughter. Oh no. When she placed the child in a bathtub and went to and went to another room to have sex. <laughs> The the two-year-old died at the hospital. She was found not breathing in the bathtub. Her mother, name omitted here to protect the guilty, I guess, surrendered to authorities. Never a good sign. Um, her other yeah, two- surrendered to authorities is not something yeah. you want in your uh, written record of your life, for sure. Her other two children, ages six and three, were also in the bathtub at the time, but were uninjured. 
So, okay, because when you said, I don't know why that I thought this, but when, when you said put in the bathtub, I guess for some reason I was just thinking just put it in there to like contain it, but there was water in the tub, so the kid drowned. The kid drowned. Now oh, we have God. very unfortunate multiple levels here. We have the motivation for putting them all in there, and I guess... <laughs> the, so let me fill up the bathtub, put all three of my kids in there so I can go in the other room and have sex. Yes. And I guess the thinking was maybe the oldest one is six years old and can watch the others. But the motivation for leaving them in there has Wise County written all over it. This, I guess this wasn't their crank lab bathtub. This was another one that's used more. Well, that's where I thought you were going. Oh, with no. The, where you were going with it. When you said bathtub, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be some kind of meth-related story. No, this was the non-recreational bathtub. This was the one for actual... Actual human human use, I guess. So uh, well, there's recreation going on in the other room, apparently. Uh, yeah. And and hey, not saying that you should ever lie to the police, but my goodness, couldn't you have just said, "Yeah, I left my three kids in the bathtub to go in the other room and do something, or put some clothes away, or unload the dishwasher." I mean, do you have to? I don't think someone who's dumb enough to do what they did is then smart enough to come up with a different reason or a fake reason as to, you know, why they were out of the room. It sounds like a shot at the intelligence of the people of Wise County to me. Well, I'm just going to have to ask them to uh, bring it on. I can take it. <laughs> you can invite them to bring it on. Yeah. Well, that's a terrible story. I I wish you had never brought it to the show. I'll be honest with you. That's depressing. We just have to we have to bring the truth to the truth to the people out there. Speaking of depressing, as I turn the spotlight and shine it directly on myself, I got back from spending five days in Las Vegas. Wow. I don't know if That's I could... That's a long time. I was going to say, I don't know if I could do that and and not come back in some sort of box. Yeah. It's it's as long as you'd want to be out there. And I I got back Monday night, so t- today's Thursday, and I'm still not 100% right yet. I'm almost back, but it's it's... It's a lot to ask of the human body. I'll I'll put it that way. Just uh, sleep deprivation driving this more than anything well, else. Well, yeah, and just just you go out there, and despite you know every time I go out there, I mean I'm getting older now and wiser, and I keep thinking, you know, I'm gonna do this right this time. I'm gonna drink a lot of water. I'm gonna eat, make better choices at restaurants. You know, just try to stay on some kind of a normal schedule. But it's like there's something. A, about the psychological effects of being there that by the second day you're just literally making the the worst possible choices you could make true yeah i think it uh and i mean in in you know we're in the central time zone here so you know your your biological clock is always two hours later than what it is there so i'm i'm literally eating my fourth meal of the day at you know 11 30 or 12 Vegas time, which is 2 a.m. here. 
uh, everything, you know, every time we go, it's like, okay, well, I'll have the fried, whatever the steak. I, I mean, we we, were, we spent some time out at the Las Vegas motor speedway, corny dogs, you know, just terrible decisions. It's, co- in, it's corn and then the dog. whole, Oh, sorry. Corn dog. Not, not say that like corny a, dog. like a little, like a little kid. Yeah. Not corny dog. And then, you know, and then not to mention the just horrific decisions you make with money while you're in a casino. I mean, well, obviously, and I, I believe, uh, there may have been at least one of those that you wanted to, one of those miscalculations you wanted to discuss, discuss from a sports bet. Oh my gosh. I, I, I made so many bad sports betting decisions, but none bigger than betting against your alma mater. You put you put your but, faith, ironically, in the Baylor Bears, didn't you? I did. I did. I, I looked at that line of three and a half points against Texas, and I thought, you know, Texas is coming off a loss. They've quit on their coach. They don't care anymore. Baylor's undefeated. There's actually a silver, you know, there's a decent silver lining for Baylor. They've, they've gone through the scandal, but they're undefeated. They stack a few wins together. They're going to, you know, at least be in the fringes of playoff talk. Even though they're on the road, it just made sense that they were to go down there and tattoo your alma mater, Texas. Well, you should have... And you should have called me about this whole angle of them quitting on the coach because that's probably the least likely scenario. You know, whether that guy's completely in over his head in that job or not, that team absolutely loves him. I've always thought that that all right, I've always thought that the uh job is a little bit too big. I don't know. There's um less than a minute left in the game and you've got twenty seconds on the play clock and for one you snap the ball before the play clock runs down to like, I don't know, two. And then you, the, the play that you're uh, going with is, yeah, let's just have Tyrone Swoops just run horizontally five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Now, that's not all Charlie Strong. He's not necessarily maybe maybe not calling that play, but there's just a lot of stuff like that. Well, and those are the kind of decisions that made me feel like my Baylor bet was great. And I'll, t- I'll tell you how good I felt like it was. I went in there Friday night uh, and bet on Baylor, and then I woke up Saturday morning and I went back in and I bet on Baylor again, and then I left, and then I went back in a third time and bet on Baylor in the game to go under because I figured, well, Texas probably isn't even going to score a point in the game because they're quit on their coach, and Tyrone Swoops can't score unless he goes north and south, so everything seemed great. So by the, by the end of the day, I had literally – Tens of dollars invested in the Baylor Bears. Mm. Well, that's a tough one. Yeah, so you know what I did after the game? Drank your sorrows away in a gutter? No. I went in there and I said, i got to get right with this, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to double down and I'm going to put my money on the Philadelphia Eagles on the money line. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So I was getting I was getting almost two to one on my money by the time I got the bet down, and Philadelphia led the whole game, and uh, I was sitting over at the uh, Mirage Casino, one of my favorite places to be in Vegas, and uh, all of a sudden, here comes the Dak show. Yeah, he showed up about 
with about six minutes left in the game. Yeah. He finally strapped on his helmet and decided to start playing. And we're in overtime. And yeah, quick sidebar. Um, there are more Cowboys fans in Las Vegas. It's unbelievable. There's more Cowboys fans than there are here. There's Cowboys fans everywhere when they're good. I think you just forget, like, or at least I forget, like, that whole America's team thing, that's not a lie. That There's some truth to that because it was like that Sunday was like front-runner hell because everybody in that casino was either in a Cubs uniform or a Cowboys uniform. And they were and playing we had at the, the same odd, time. Yes, and we had the odd scenario of the two games going on at the same time in a sports book completely packed of Cowboys and Cubs fans and me hiding out in the corner quietly going, come on, Eagles, let's go. <laughs> Get me my money back. You were there. And it and was funny, were- too, because the two, the two big plays of the game happened fairly, at the, you know, fairly within about five minutes of each other. The Cubs... Uh, you know, got the third out, ended the game, and yeah. you know, a huge eruption. And not five minutes later is the Dak Spinorama, Jason Witten standing like he's playing Tech Mobile, wide open. <laughs> yeah, and that, uh, and safe to say it was lit in there. Yeah, and you were just sneaking out, just kind of hiding your Carson Wentz jersey that you had on, just kind of oh slowly backing against the wall. Man, I lost so much money. Oh my gosh, I lost so much money. Man, there's always stuff wheels off that happens there because it's Halloween weekend. And it's also NHRA weekend. Let's not forget about that. Hey, John Force won. Mm. Was the uh, awkwardly named Connie Kalitta there? Oh yeah, he was there. He was there. Team Kalitta was there. They, you know, they have a girl that I drives for them. Uh, yeah. Actually, she's married to former reality TV star Jesse James. Uh, is that the motorcycle guy? Yeah, yeah. So she had, okay, again, I'm not driving one of the cars, but she had what I would consider to be a fairly minor accident Saturday night. And then Sunday morning when it's time to race, her car didn't make it up to the line. Because uh, she woke up in the morning, had a little headache, didn't feel like she wanted to race. And I kind of think Connie Coletta was rolling over in his still living grave with that kind of with that kind of attitude. He doesn't put up with that. Maybe the job's just a little bit too big for her too. Everybody's got their Peter principle, so <laughs> got their glass ceiling. So maybe that is. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's her. So, so who else won this weekend other than Erica Anders? All the thing Erica Anders won is she got her name on the wall at the buffet at Treasure Island for putting the most food away in forty-five <laughs> minutes. It's just a a picture of her surrounded like by like seven hundred and thirty shrimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and uh, oh, by the way, quick sidebar: freaking Treasure Island. That's where we stayed. Have you ever been in there? I don't think I've I don't think I've been in there before. Is that the one where they have the waterfall and stuff out front or is that the Mirage? That's very generic. The Mirage has a volcano out front. The, volcano, the Treasure Island it when it was built had a pirate show that went on out front. That does not happen yep. anymore. Okay, I the, yeah, uh, I've, economy I've never been in there. Cut up to that. Yeah. 
but they but they still have the ships out front of the casino but no uh no fighting goes on but the uh treasure island's a little bit of uh of an anomaly in the las vegas landscape because the casino is not part of one of the big conglomerates most all the other properties on the strip are either mgm properties or caesar's properties and treasure island is just treasure island which means that the uh the member bonus club is their own club so what we found is that it's actually quite a bit more generous than the you know total rewards which is caesar's and the m life which is mgm so much so that uh one point break dave who was with me on this trip got us two comped buffets one morning excellent for breakfast nice. uh, and we were even more delighted to find out when we got there that uh it was the champagne breakfast because it was sunday retail value of 29.99 mm. but here's the problem with treasure island the rooms not bad casino not bad food some of the worst i've ever had in my entire life this breakfast buffet would have been like if you had a cooked breakfast and maybe made some french toast and bacon at your home in uh lovely dallas texas uh left it on the counter for a couple of days uh <laughs> and then tried to pass it off as a breakfast buffet was it it better was horrific than, like if you get the uh complimentary breakfast at like a la quinta and they have the scrambled eggs that are clearly just some kind of powder you mix with water it was it was the same. In fact, I might even give a slight edge to La Quinta. And here's the best part: we we know that it's the champagne breakfast. So the the waitress says, "Well, do you want your mimosas?" And we're like, "Well, yeah, of course we do." This is what they do: they 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 have like just the generic cafeteria glass, you know, that you see in pretty much any school or cafeteria setting. She puts three of those on the table and fills them up about three quarters of the way with like some unlabeled nondescript champagne. And then you have to take your cup of champagne and go to the buffet line and push it on the little orange juice dispenser wow. to uh, complete your mimosa. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. And, and every other we attempted a couple other meals there that were also just absolute complete disasters. That is so low rent. There's no way that's the way things go with the win. No, at the at the win they they probably serve you in the the finest crystal with fresh squeezed oranges straight from Florida. Yeah, I thought you might Steve say Steve Wynn when they, himself probably stops by the table <laughs> to make sure you're having a good experience. When they brought it to you, I thought you were going to say they like they served it to you in like a, a never ever quit plastic cup or something <laughs> like that. It was about that bad. But the funniest part is old Point Break Dave, who was so proud of himself for gambling enough that he got us a comp breakfast. And Point Break Dave will turn on you in a hurry if things aren't going his way. He turned on the treasure island that morning, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, so were there any gambling highlights or just pretty much just taking it in the shorts for five days straight? I mean, for me... It, like I've never lost that much money on a trip before. It, it was the financially worst trip I've ever had. The only minor highlight is I did have the the foresight after um, the Eagles Cubs debacle 
I kind of got this feeling, you know, I think the Cubs are about to just load up and win the series. And I was able to go in and get a bet down on the Cubs to win the series uh, at favorable odds when they were when it was 3-2 Indians. And, and really, I mean, that's the closest thing to a highlight as I had. Other than that, I, I mean, it was just one bad decision after another. And, well, and poker craps, sports bets, blackjack – I even I even did the thing where I'm on the way to the room late at night and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna put a hundred dollars in this electronic blackjack machine and try to win some money back. And the next thing I know, I've got two hundred dollars in the machine, betting, you know, twenty, forty dollars a hand and, and lose six hands in a row and just blow through my two hundred bucks. I mean that that's how my that's how my trip went. But you never played Casino War, did you? Because that's the ultimate in desperation. No, but I'll tell you what, if I'd have walked by a table, I think I probably would have. Yeah. I hope things uh, turned around for Dave, because I know the first thing that he sent me was, uh, I believe, about a $400 bet on, I think he took the over of a Pistons Magic basketball game. Oh, yeah. And and Orlando just completely betrayed him, putting up about 60 points themselves, and I don't think that went real well. Yeah, and and I I had a I didn't have a I didn't have that much invested, but I had a ticket on that game as well that didn't come in. Dave fancies himself as Mister Basketball, but boy, he's been taking a pounding lately, including mm-hmm. tonight. Uh, as uh, early game results are not looking so good for old Dave tonight. So, wow. But yeah, five days is five days is just just about the right amount of time before you you completely lose touch with your humanity. Yeah, I don't think. But I mean, my my style there is, uh, you know, about three hours of sleep a night and just eat nothing but Burger King and Wendy's the whole time I'm there. So after about three or four, I'm I'm close to being admitted to the hospital. So I don't know if I can yeah. make it five days, five nights. Yeah, you've got to you've got to have some mix in some balance in there somewhere. But it's hard, man, and it's hard it's hard to sleep in because you get that that energy, man. You. You know, you you stay out late, but then you you know your body's still kind of trying to tell you, you know, it's not it's later than you think it is, and then you wake up and you think, oh my gosh, you know, just a short elevate elevator ride down is blackjack tables and sports betting, and and you know NFL games start at nine o'clock in the morning and ten True. o'clock in the morning, and and that you know, week wasn't the there was a London this, game, you know, <laughs> yeah. So you're looking at like oh, six thirty yeah. a.m. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had we had bets down on uh, on the tie that oh, lost. What a day. <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a, a three point three point favorite. Uh, I think we had uh, Cincinnati minus three, and and uh, yeah, so we actually lost we actually lost money in the tie. Mm. Well, uh, but going back to your original question, it's Halloween weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, you see stuff out there, man. I mean, I mean, just unbelievable outfits and the the pack of girls is something that was at even an all-time high for vegas and i'm talking like groups of like 15 girls all in costumes and then you start thinking like how is this fun for any of them because they can't go anywhere yeah together you can't get a cab so they just walk around in packs and get in the way (laughs) and uh and yeah the the uh man the 
costumes and everything. It's just, it's kind of like I said after ACL. It just makes me, uh, makes me just realize I'm never going to let my daughter go there. So, And yeah, never get any older than what she is now. It yeah. seems like that would be an environment you might see people just wearing costumes that are just completely painted on. Yes. Like somewhere like that the, or New Orleans, you know. Yeah, the body paint is definitely a player or or um, just as provocative as possible. And the other funny thing is that a lot of people, and I guess maybe they're just novices to Vegas, but would have costumes that incorporated some type of, some type of mask. And they don't like that in the casino. They want to see yeah. your face in there. So, you know, you had a lot of a lot of defeated looking girls with their cool uh you know, fifty shades of gray mask that they have have to wear around their neck because every time they walk in the casino the security's telling them to take it off. Wow. Not how they drew it up, buddy. Not yeah. how they drew it up in there. Well, that'd be mind. a fun time to be there though, just to kinda check the scene. Oh, it's fun and, and I mean you can spot the people like one of the funniest things is the the next morning and I and I was trying to, you know, I mean, like if I could make it till like 9am, which, you know, again, 11am on the body clock, I was doing well, but you walk down there and you see the people that have been up all night or the people that are just struggling to get, you know, get to a cab to get to the airport. It is really funny. Well there, that's almost year round though. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's not anything else. It's just, you, you add that, the added hilarity of costumes, but I will say one thing is, one thing that was really funny is is uh, I was leaving the I actually played in a poker tournament one night and did pretty well in it, but literally to go with the theme of my trip, I think it paid the top six places and I finished seventh place after being in the tournament for about five hours. And so I'm kind of walking out of the poker room, kind of along the out, outer edge of the casino, kind of headed back to my room, uh, and I see these two two guys you know, each on each on the shoulder of another guy that they're essentially dragging. I mean, he was, he was in about the shape you were leaving Baltimore. Only right. He looked like uh, he was about 14 years old. Okay. Oh, don't try to back down from Baltimore, sir. Still kind of distancing from this. I, I didn't witness this other in Vegas, so I'm not just going to accept that, that I was in the same state. But but go ahead. So, but anyways, I see I see this kind of far far away in the distance. I see I see these two guys, and they're they're essentially dragging this guy. Uh, so I I'm walking along the outer edge of the of the kind of the casino, and, and the restrooms coming up. And I said oh, I got I'm gonna duck in here and use the restroom. Uh, and while while I'm in there, then the uh, here comes these guys dragging their friend in there. Who again? It looks like he's about fourteen. And uh, they have him. They have him leaned over the sink, and they, they're one of them's got his hand down there, like activating the the auto so that the water's running. And they're they're splashing water in this guy's face, and they're going, "Come on, man, you can hang in there. We don't have much further to go. You can do it." Yeah. And then he just throws up everywhere. It was awesome. Oh, awful! And I was all thinking, over his all over his Harambe costume and everything. <laughs> But man, Glenn, we were we were about five minutes away from playing that scene out with you in Baltimore, so don't don't distance too much from it, sir. Uh, I don't know about five minutes, but I can tell you that I didn't vomit into a bathtub like somebody else did. Yeah, who's not on this podcast right now, but has been before. 
but has appeared on this podcast before. Yeah, and don't think uh, sharing a room with him in Vegas that we didn't have a little discussion about proper technique. Did you walk him through like, here's where you do this, here's where you do this, and you don't do this here, don't do any of that in the sink. Yes, the sink's the worst place to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so we did have one Vegas-related email, and we also have a hypothetical. So, which one do you want? Uh let's do let's stick on Vegas, man. Let's do Vegas-related email. All right, hold on. Let me let me pull it up. Got to get your Acer fired back up. Yep. Yeah, we got to reboot here. Uh, this is really quick, but Gustav sent us something. Uh, said, hey, this, this may be a shock. This is very quick. Maybe a shock, but I have no v- shocking Vegas stories because I've only ever been with my wife and we were on our best behavior. But he had a female friend on a girl trip out there. She left her flock of hens and hooked up with a groom, a groom-to-be who was there on his bachelor party. Oh, no. I asked her after the fact if she felt bad about him being soon to wed, and she said no, because he had a tiny dingus. Thanks, Gustav. All right. That's our only so email. I don't understand how that, I don't understand how that <laughs> doesn't make her feel bad. I feel like she would feel worse for the guy. Um, I don't know. Maybe she just really didn't really feel anything at all. Well, that see, does happen with the tiny see what I, and all. See what I did there? Yeah. Thought of that hand on crafted. the uh, hand, hand, rich mahogany. Okay. That's why you're now, a pro. Glenn. Now I've got a, I've got a hypothetical. We actually have a couple that KJ sent us, but I think we're just going to cover one scenario, not the other. Have you been watching the show Westworld at all? No, and I was actually having a conversation with my wife tonight because she said we we need to probably watch the show and I I don't like sci-fi. So, I've been kind of leery, but I think we're going to give it a shot. So maybe that'll be something I can report on a future podcast as if I like the show or not. Okay. So, um I watched the first episode and watched it. I was kind of watching it and also kind of scrolling through Twitter or messing messing around down there a little bit. Uh I was doing just a bunch of push-ups probably. Getting my 2000 push-ups a day in. Um so I was kind of paying attention and kind of not, but I think the whole gist of the at least starting out is Westworld is like this uh more or less reality/virtual reality slash virtual reality that people pay to experience. And there are some actual humans, and then everybody else is a programmed robot that has personality strength. And this is why I haven't watched the show yet. This sounds so stupid. But I think the same guy that produced Lost produced this, so I think it's got some potential. Wait, J.J. Abrams? I think so. I could be way off on that, but for some reason that's what it was in the back of my mind. So with the hypothetical, just think, just think of robots, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Um, so basically, i got to scroll through this. Okay, so the scenario is, 
everyone in your current life and let's uh part of the hypothetical is let's let's eliminate kids from your from your from, from your life just for the sake of the hypothetical okay because under the hypothetical is it made is, is this a way to make it less creepy make you feel better about even saying it no it just kids would not be possible under this hypothetical okay okay so everyone in your life is is human um including yourself until your wife tells you that she has discovered that she's a Westworld style robot and she totally convinces you that 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 she is like this is legit she's not she's okay. not doing a bit she is a robot she is a okay. robot okay so i guess the scenario what from here do you tell anyone do you let her tell anyone do you leave her What do you think? So, and this is this is the assumption that you this is like present day. So I've known her since college, yeah. And I just found out today. It's just today, like she walks in and reveals, "Hey, I'm a robot," and you're like, uh, "Yeah, this is the dumbest thing." And then maybe I don't know. She takes a knife and cuts her arm open, and then shows her, you know robot yeah. arm and robot hand sticks her hand in boiling water and just kind of like what else do you need i'll set myself on fire if i need to you know well i do hate sci-fi so hmm man i think at this point you probably just write it out and don't tell anyone okay do you think I, uh, I, I just i don't know i don't know what the other options really are here do you th- do you think you would lose any type of uh empathy for her just as a a being in general like yes so so this this is terrible but you're like uh wow this opens up a lot of a lot of doors here if you're just a robot that's exactly what i was thinking could probably uh you know you're just walking through the living room if i want to just terry tate office linebacker just blindside you into the into the shutters there's nothing really wrong with that right Right, it's a robot. There's no crime against abusing a robot. What? <laughs> what am I saying? I don't know. Is that a crime? I don't know. I can't read what else KJ put in here. Actually, yeah, I could, but uh, it has to do with not on a family show. Yeah, if you lost empathy for her, so <laughs> something else that that could be done that might normally get resistance but you're like hey technically it's not really uh that because you're not really real so but i I just i can't i can't read that that's yeah those are not the lord's words or the lord's work so (laughs) just leave that to uh so what's your what's your answer then um yeah i think you have to I think you have to just write it out too, because especially if you've got a long history, you don't just because it's going to make you look foolish as well. Because that's kind of why I'm thinking, you know. And of course, you know, part of the hypothetical would be like, is that technology like widely accepted, or are you going to have skeptical people? Like, so if I just roll into work and be like, "Hey, by the way, I'm not really married anymore," because it turns out my wife was a robot. Or, <laughs> Are people going to be like, oh yeah, that you know, I could see how that would happen, or are they are they going to be, you know, 
highly skeptical of the whole concept. Either that or they buy it and then they just think you're just some kind of pervert or something. Because... Who says, yeah. I mean, if they don't already think that... And and they've seen, they've seen you clothesliner in a mall and just laugh about it. So, but yeah, I don't think you could. Uh, I think you just have to to write it out because it's yeah, it's embarrassing for you as well because you've been fooled by this stupid cyborg, right? By a robot, I know. Yeah, it's well, that's a that's a really interesting hypothetical. But, but I don't think I th- I think at the I end think of, it would be at the end of the day. You gotta. I think you gotta just write it. Yeah, out. I think I would be. Obviously, you'd be upset, but I think you'd have to write it out. I don't know though, because if you, if you take the kids out of the equation, do you then just say, "Well, see you later," and then that's it? Of course. Then do you say, "Well, right." Well, you left her, and you're like, "Well, I didn't really leave her. She's a robot." And then do people buy that, or are you the big a-hole because you just you know walked out the door one day, went to get cigarettes, and never came back? Right, and then what is what does she really do if she's outed as a robot? Because then what does a robot do if you leave her, or kick her out, or throw her out in the backyard, or uh, put her in the recycle bin? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think they all just lower themselves down into some sort of molten lava and give you a thumbs up right before the credits roll. <laughs> I think that's how it ends for for all of them. I think that's going to be how our last podcast ends too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. With you just sinking down, giving the thumbs up at the last second. If we're not, if we're even that fortunate for it to end that non-violently. Um. <laughs> all right. Let, let's uh. Let's kind of re- reverse reverse the hypothetical and I'll go through the first scenario. So what if, uh, what if suddenly you have recognition that you're the robot and there's no one, no one else can detect it, but you discover it on your own. Do you keep it a secret or do you try to tell someone and, and find the answers and solve the mystery as to how you got to where you were? how you were created we see this is this is a situation where i feel like me having some knowledge of the show would make it easier for me to pontificate because if i'm am i i find that i'm a robot but i still have my normal human strength or do i suddenly realize that i've no got unlimited powers that i didn't no, know i don't I think had, you're am i able to do things i don't think you're necessarily bionic you're just right but but i can't take can I take damage or could I start just leading like a really high risk lifestyle? Like mm. I could start smoking like through four or five cigarettes at the same time and just drinking whatever I want because it can't hurt me. I mean, do I have that option at least? Not specified here. Do you want me to read um, how, uh, cause I was thinking you could start really freaking people out, you know, just by jumping out of windows and just doing crazy stuff. But I don't know if that's part of the hypothetical or not. Falling, you know, or, or if you're still just falling out. If of, you're just still as as fragile as you as you are now, just falling out of balconies and just um, just uh, somehow surviving. Do you want to hear how you discover that you're a robot under this scenario? Of course, <laughs> you're using your tears as lubricant. 
and pulling at yourself while hoping to forget the weak. At that point, you become aware that you're a Westworld-style robot. Well, other than becoming aware that I was a robot, that pretty much is the week I'm having right now. That's, so That's tomorrow at about 11.35 a.m. Yeah, after after all the money I've lost and everything mm-hmm. else, yeah. That's pretty much all I've got left at this point. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. I don't know what I do on this one. Um but I can't. Well, I feel like I need more detail or I need to understand what the robots are capable of in the show, like for me to really say cuz I think they're pr- Yeah, if I if I found that out in and there was some way I could leverage it for gain or advantage, yeah, I would probably keep it a secret and try to leverage it, but you know, otherwise I, I don't I don't really know what it benefits me. I think they're pretty specifically programmed into intelligence and physical capability and personality trait and all that. I think under the hypothetical, it's somehow beyond that, that the robot has now become self-aware and capable of more complex thought than the MS-DOS program that was written for them. Interesting. And perhaps they would go on to coach a professional sports team somewhere. There's your follow the money. I really am going to have to... Yeah, I really am going to have to watch this show, though. Yeah, I need to I need to get in into it as well. But I think if I made that discovery, I think I... I don't know that I would be telling people... I'd probably just go into robot, robotparts.com and just <laughs> yeah. try to order a big old... <laughs> I think I would be searching for answers as to uh, how I got where I was. Was I sent from the future... Am I there to save or protect someone? Do you have any other robot movie references? Because I can't think of anything from Short Circuit. I can't remember the plot line for that. Man, I hate sci-fi. I did like Short Circuit. That's not really sci-fi. That was just uh, dumb comedy. I did like Short Circuit. I was a big fan. And Short Circuit too. Not, Not too bad. Well, speaking of uh, short-circuiting, I imagine uh, our audience has uh, tightened the noose around their jugular at this point, so we should probably bail before everyone is dead. Yeah, gotta basically in the show will be like the equivalent of being the lemon wedge to save everyone. Mm. What an honor! So, do you have anything else? No, I mean, I guess, I guess maybe we can just plan on next Thursday, providing that it doesn't end in a 269-269 uh, tie. Uh, we can do a little election recap. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, quick uh, quick prediction. Um, I, think, I think we're headed for a very, not a very, but I think we're headed for a lopsided Clinton victory. Yeah, I think Trump's going to get rolled, too. I... Uh, that would be my prediction: is that that he's going to get routed. But for all yeah, you think we're going to get Trump supporters that listen to the show, take some solace in the fact that everything I've tried to predict in the last seven days has been completely wrong. So you do have that working for you. It's true. Pretty much same here, except for except for the Cubs winning the World Series. I think I got every other playoff series wrong all the way through. Except for that one team making it, so. But let's not kid ourselves. He's getting. What do I know? He's getting. He's getting dilled. There's no question. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's going to be too much uh, drama there. Did you go vote yet? I did. I voted uh, a couple weeks ago. Well, actually, not a All couple right. weeks ago. I voted right before well, I left for Vegas. That was the last probably cogent thing I did. Yeah, everybody, get out and vote early. This is not a. This is just because there are no lines. It's easy. Early voting was don't be the do- so easy. I I walked in the library yeah. and I was in there for ninety seconds. And I don't right. know why anybody would vote on election day when you when you have this option. Yeah, don't be the the dullard Trump supporter that stands in a line for three and a half hours on November eighth. Well, I guess by the time people hear this, they'll if they haven't voted already because I think tomorrow's the end of early voting. But well, vote go tomorrow. on the yes, whatever tomorrow is. Vote early. What is tomorrow? The fifth. Tomorrow's the 4th. Whatever Friday is. Tomorrow's the 4th. The 4th. Go and vote. Vote tomorrow. Don't be a moron.